Happy New Year, everyone. All right. My name is Timothy, and I'll be sharing God's word with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I just ask that you open up to John chapter 1. And while you're doing that, I just want to kind of set the tone by asking a question. It might come across as a very simple question, like, Tim, we should be far beyond this question for now. But as we start off the, good, the new year, and trusting that it's going to be a good year, despite what's going on in, around us, um, we need to go to essentials to, re, to remind ourselves and to question ourselves, to evaluate where we're at, to see if we're truly on the cornerstone we just sang, we just sang about. And so here's a simple essential question to start us off this morning. What needs to happen in order for one to become a Christian? How does one follow Jesus? Well, I know Larry just jokingly said that uh, you have perfect attendance, right? You're here, you made it, good job. But does church attendance make one a Christian? How about knowledge, reading the Bible, studying theology? Does that make one a Christian in its essence, in its core? Or perhaps it's just a being a good person. You know, after you study, you get this knowledge, and then you should live a good life. Is the issue attendance? Is the issue knowledge? Is the issue morality, morality, or is there something more essential than those three? Well, Peter answers this question and uh, this conversation with us. And in 1 Peter 2.9, he says, But you, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a chosen race. You Jews and Gentiles who faith is now in the Lord you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who what? Called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So what makes one a Christian? It's more than attendance. It's more than knowledge. It's more than just doing the right things. Peter would tell us, and he's in fact echoing the words, words of Jesus by saying it's a call issue. And so when one is called out of darkness and into God's marvelous light, that right there is a miracle. That's the way we can start the new year with some hope, right? If your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, then your life is a miracle. Right? Your dead bones were filled with the Spirit of God. The darkness in which you once walked is now shadow, uh, uh, sh showered with God's marvelous light. And therefore, we can start this year with hope. And so as we start this new year, let us start with a spirit and a heart full of gratitude for what the Spirit of God has done in our lives. Why? Well, we can maybe ask another question. Where would you be right now 
if God didn't call you into his marvelous light. Think about the moment where you first laid your eyes upon Jesus. And with the eyes of faith, you saw him as beautiful. And his, his message full of hope. And your dead bones were resurrected to life. Think about that moment. Now just go 15 minutes before that moment. And let's say your life went on another trajectory. Where would you be right now? That right there, my friends, is a reason to be full of hope and gratitude because God has been good to us. Well, that is, with that as our introduction, let us go now to the reading of God's word. I'm going to ask that you would open up once again to John chapter 1. And we're going to be reading verses 43 through 51. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I have said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the living God. And so for our time together, I'd like us to consider three things from our text this morning. First is the call. Then the invitation, and then finally the transformation. Let's first dig into the call. Jesus is entering Galilee. He is starting his earthly ministry. Jesus, as John chapter 1 tells us, going into the text, Jesus receives baptism by his cousin John. And John is preparing the way of the Lord by proclaiming the Lamb of God. This is the Lamb of God. This is the one who God will send to forgive God's people of their sin. Place your faith in him. And so this message of preparation was reverberating in the ears of all of God's people in Israel. And they were saying to themselves, could this be the day that the Messiah would come to us to deliver us? And after receiving baptism, Jesus starts to call his first disciples. 
First Andrew, then Peter, now Philip and Nathaniel. Now normally in those days, first century Jerusalem, the disciples, the students were them, would themselves pick their rabbi. And so it was a norm for you to stop doing what you would do, were doing or stop living with your family to follow a rabbi that you would learn from him for a season. And then you would say, thank you for your help. Thank you for your knowledge. It's time for me to go back home. Or it's time for me to learn from another rabbi. But that is not what we see Jesus do here. It is not his disciples that choose him and call him, but rather it is Jesus who calls them. He commands them, come and follow me. And so as we look at the word called, the, the idea of being called by God, there is a threefold expression that we see in Scripture. First, the call of God is an external call, an outward call. And that's what we're doing here this morning. That's what we do every Sunday. That's what Spanish River is about. Through our Sunday morning worship services, through our life groups, through our various ministries, we are shouting out, proclaiming to this world that there is hope in Jesus. Through our song, through our scripture reading, through the preaching, through our teachings in life groups, we are calling people to faith in Jesus Christ, there is a call that goes out from our church into our city, a call to come and follow Jesus. But why we do that work of ministry, met with that outward call, there is an inward call that happens. As we proclaim the truths of God's excellencies, the Holy Spirit in a miraculous way, takes our witness, takes our sermons, takes our preaching, and starts to work it into the lives of individuals who are lost, who are living in the dark. And that's where the miracle happens. As we witness, there is a two-way conversation, well, actually a three-way conversation that is happening. The believer with the non-believer and the Spirit of God taking the words of witness and starts to take those words and massage it into the hearts of the unbeliever so that they would receive those words and place their faith in Jesus. Before the whole pastor thing happened for me, I was a teacher. Just out of um, finishing my undergrad degree, I, I wanted to get married and you know, last time I checked, you know, wives and families are expensive, and so you need to get a job, right? So I got a job, and I, I was teaching because that was the opportunity afforded to me. And so I got a job teaching in Hollandale at a, a, a school designed for at-risk teens. These were kids who were incarcerated, maybe for a season, and then let out. They could not go back to their home school, so they were, developed a program for them. Or maybe they were expelled, or maybe they failed. And so this is their last shot of getting a traditional high school education. And so I'm teaching, and I'm at my desk is a student. She brings me her work, and I'm kind of going through it. And, and so she's a talker, and so she starts talking. And says, she says, Mr. Torres, um, did you always want to be a teacher? I'm like, to be honest, no. 
of, I'm only doing this temporarily. She goes, oh, really? What are you doing after this? And I said, well, I'm actually doing a graduate degree. I, I, I want to study uh, a graduate well, I, I said graduate degree. She's like, what's that? What's a graduate degree? So we start talking about education and talking about those type of things. And she said, well, what, what are you studying in your graduate degree? And I said, divinity. She goes, what's, what's divinity? And I said, well, it's, it's a program designed for people who want to go into ministry. She goes, oh, like, like a pastor? And I was like, yeah, a pastor. She goes, you want to be a pastor? Like in front of the whole class. And I'm like, yeah, I, I feel called to be a pastor. And she goes, what do you believe? Do you believe the Bible? So now I'm like, okay, I want to keep this job. But, but God has given me this opportunity. Am I going to shut it down for the sake of self-preservation, for job security? Or am I going to invite someone to come and see? And in that moment, I knew there was only one thing I can do. And I shared the bad news, good news with her. In that moment, she opened up. She said, I don't know where my dad is. I don't even live with my mom. I live with my sister. My life is a wreck. And the last time I was happy was when my mom and dad were together. And they would take me to church when I was a little girl. And that was the last time I was happy. She goes, I want to follow Jesus. And in that classroom, I prayed with her to accept Christ. You see, the outward call of presenting the good news of the gospel is met with the Holy Spirit that was obviously at work in this young girl's life. To be given the gift of faith to walk towards a Savior and hear the call, come, follow me. But Jesus says that call is not just outward or inward, but it's, it's a continual call as well. Jesus, in the, in the original language, the, the call is not just to come follow me, but the call is to come and continue to follow me. You see, the call to follow Jesus is a lifelong endeavor through the ebbs and flows, through the ups and downs, through the winds and wounds of life. Because for the believer, we come to understand this, that in a world of variables, Jesus Christ is our sole constant. And so we follow him wherever he would lead. And so Christianity, in his essence, is not about community or knowledge or even morality. These things are good and necessary but they're product, byproducts nonetheless. Because the Christian faith at its core is a call of the creator of heaven to a lost humanity saying to us, come follow me. And John tells us that Philip is, is all in. He's all in. He goes back to his town. He goes to Nathaniel and he says, come and see Jesus, the one in whom Moses and the law and all the prophets prophesied about. The Messiah is 
here. And so we see that the call leads to invitation. Now, last week at our Christmas Eve service, at the end, you know, it's the climax of the service, right? Everyone's coming here to sing the songs, to hear the message. But really, let's be honest, we're here for the candlelight, right? And that's when it's kind of like, it's really Christmas. And so David, Pastor David, read from John chapter 1. He read for the very first verses. Like, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was the light of man. And then, so what did David do? He went to the Advent reef, he lit the candle, and then he came here, and then he passed it to the first person. And everyone's there waiting like, oh, me, I'm next, I'm next, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then it kind of slowly, like a a sea of flames makes its way back. And then the lights come down. And then this this majestic, um, almost like an epiphany of a moment of the realization that Jesus is indeed the light of the world comes in. And then we're ready. We're We're ready for Christmas. But imagine that same scenario played out a little differently. Imagine David coming, getting the light, going to the first guy, lighting it, and the guy was just like, man, this is awesome. But then doesn't pass it. What happens? I mean, to be honest, we start becoming judgmental, right? Like, what's this dude's problem? I mean, he's holding the flame to himself. This is the moment we're waiting for. But he's, he's hoarding it. He's keeping it to himself. That's what happens when we don't pass the flame of faith to others. You see, the call of a Christian is for us to witness. But let's be honest. I mean, witnessing is a very intimidating thing. Many of us don't even know where to begin to do it. And so because we're intimidated, and to be honest, because many of us, we just don't know how, we just don't do it. And maybe it's because we think evangelism is us trying to convince someone to come to faith. As if their conversion was up to us. But that's not the message of the Bible. Remember, the inward call is the work of God that brings conversion. The work of witnessing is the outward call for every believer, the Lord Jesus Christ, to proclaim God's excellencies. And God's plan of redemption comes when humanity, saved, redeemed humanity, proclaims the excellencies of God's wondrous work. And that work is met, superintended by the Holy Spirit, activated in faith in the heart of an unbeliever so that someone, the miracle here now, goes from death to life, working together. And therefore, in essence, evangelism is simply invitation. Let me ask you, when was the last time you were offended that someone invited you to a party? Is that a thing? No, we're offended when? Well, we're not invited. No one's, it doesn't mean they're going to go to your party. But everyone who receives an invitation is like, wow, they, they, they thought of me. They care about me. They, they value me. They want me to join them. Now, I'm going to check my calendar to see if I can actually do it. But what an awesome sentiment. You see, we think of evangelism as offending people. Now, don't get me wrong. You could do evangelism in the wrong way and offend them. 
That happens a lot. But that is not the call from Jesus to the Christian. And that is not Philip's interaction with Nathaniel. Nathaniel, what is Nathaniel's response? Hey, hey, Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, hey, this is the Messiah. Nathaniel says, well, tell me a little bit about him. Where is he from? Where's his hometown? He's from Nazareth. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. And what does Philip say? Let me, let me give you all the reasons you're wrong. No, he is. it's an invitation. What is the invitation? Come and see for yourself. It's an invitation. And so Nathaniel goes so reluctantly, but he goes. So let me very quickly, take out your phones now. Open your notes app, and I'm going, to do, I'm going to give you a quick, easy, simple way to start witnessing to other people, to, to invite them. I'm going to make it super simple. It's all eyes, four eyes. The first eye is identify. So write identify. Then write invest. Then intercede. And then invite. Identify, invest, intercede, invite. Identify those people that God has placed in your life. That doesn't take very long for you to know who those people are. If you don't know who they are, pray. God, God, who have you placed in in my life that I have a unique opportunity based on my relationship with them to invite them to a relationship with Jesus? So write those people's names down after identify. And then invest. Intentionally spend time with them. Invite them over. Build a relationship with them. Check in with them. How are you doing? Just don't go by your day so fast as we tend to do as Americans, right? We're going so fast to go nowhere. But slow down and invest in them. And then, this is the transition now to the spiritual side of the conversation. Simply say, under intercede, this is intercede now. How can I pray for you this week? Most people that you know won't take down, turn you down on that question. How can I pray for you this week? And, and, and generally, like, and you have invested with them, right? So now they're like, oh, this person actually cares. Let me tell them, I'm, I'm battling this. I'm facing this. I'm fighting this. I'm hurting here. Let them just start sharing. But then... Guys, you have to, like, pray for them, right? <laughs> we have a, a tend to, uh, as Christians, we tend to adopt the phrase, like, hey, I'm going to be praying for, the, for you this week, but we really don't really pray for each other, right? So how about we actually do that? So spend the next week praying for that person. And after you pray for them for a whole week, you connect back with them after a week, and you say, you know what? I've been praying for you this week. Can you give me an update on how that's going? What does that communicate to that person? I'm important to this person. This person loves me. Guys, this is not rocket science, earth-shattering theology here. This is love thy neighbor type of stuff. But focused, intentional. How can I pray for you this coming week? And then invite. Share with them the bad news and good news of the gospel. 
invite them to say, hey, do you want to grab coffee and read the Gospel of John with me and learn more about Jesus? Do you want to go to church with me next week? Do you want to maybe join my life group? You see, God doesn't need lawyers. He doesn't, he doesn't need anyone to defend him. Any more than a lion needs a chihuahua's help. God calls us not as lawyers but as witnesses to simply invite. Last week at our Christmas Eve service, um, we, the, the White family, uh, Todd, Mitzi, I think you're over here. Hey, guys. Carly, Corinne. They, they led us in the lighting of the Advent candle, and we kind of practiced before the service here, and Corinne uh, is, is here. Wave your hand. Wave your good hand, Corinne. The other one's broken. Soccer injury. But Corinne said, I'm so excited. And I'm like, why? What are you so excited? To light the candles? You no, know, that's cool, but, but, but I'm excited because my friend's coming. And I've been talking to my friend about Jesus. And you know what my, this is what she's telling me right before the service last week. She said, you know what my friend asked me, and Corinne, is how old Corinne? Norton's nine years old. And Corinne said, you know what, Pastor Tim, you know what my friend asked me? She asked me, can we read the Bible together? And Corinne's like, yeah. And about 10 minutes later, the family that she invites, not only her friend, but her friend's parents and some other friends as well, come make their way down. And Corinne is standing here, and she runs to them, embraces them in hospitality and in love and acceptance. I'm so happy, happy you're here. Come sit with us. That's what it means to invite. We need to be like Corinne. We need to be like Philip. Inviting the Nathaniels in our lives. And so as we push forward into 2022, what does the Lord have for us as a church? What ground does he want us to gain? What does God want us to accomplish? What is to live out our calling as Christians? To serve and to witness. To proclaim the excellencies of God who has brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And Jacob had a, a radical transformation. Oh, I'm sorry, Nathaniel had a radical transformation. And you saw that? Like, he goes from being an unbeliever to saying, Rabbi, King of Israel, Son of God, you, you are, you are the Messiah. What happened there? It was like on the spot, radical life transformation. What was it? Now, you can read the text and, and say to yourself, well, maybe it's because um, you know, he just, G, he, Jesus said he saw him, and he said, no, there's nowhere Jesus could have seen me, like physically seen me, and therefore he must be God. Like, we can read the text on a kind of a superficial level and get that understanding, and that, that's there. But do you notice the unique way Jesus greeted Nathaniel? Behold, an Israelite in which what? There is no what? Deceit. <laughs> what a weird way of, invite, of welcoming someone, meeting someone for the first time. Now Nathaniel's like, how do you know me? Now we could read it like Nathaniel's maybe being puffed up, like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a true Israelite. There's no Israelite like me. But I don't think that's the right understanding of that text. Because then why on earth would he would say, you're the Messiah? He goes, I have everything I need right now. I'm a good Israelite. Why do I need you as the Messiah? How do I even know you're Messiah? We well, you know he doesn't have faith because he says, 
Can anything good come from Nazareth? So what happened there? Well, sandwiched in between that greeting, Jesus says, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And right after, Jesus says to Nathanael, Behold, you'll see the heavens open up, and you'll see the angels ascending and descending upon who? The Son of Man. This is the greater thing you're going to see, Nathanael. Now, John, the gospel writer John, is writing this, banking on the fact that you know your Bible. Like he's saying, listen, John is saying, here's a hyperlink, guys, so you can understand this conversation that Jesus is having. Now, what's the hyperlink? The hyperlink is Genesis 28, where Genesis gives us the life transformation of Jacob, whose name means deceiver. And then God changes his name, because the work of transformation in Jacob's life, and calls him, no longer shall you be called Jacob, but you shall be called Israel. And Nathaniel is under a fig tree. Now, John doesn't give details needlessly. But in the ancient days, a fig tree was, was a, the national sign of Israel. It, it is where you went for private prayer to get out of the heat and sit under the shade of the tree for you to pray to God. It's why my, it, it comes from Micah 4.4, 4, where Micah gives the prophecy and says, everyone will sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. Why? Because the Lord God Almighty would say it. And so... Nathaniel is probably hearing the message of the Messiah coming from the words of John the Baptist. He is probably wrestling with these things in prayer, saying, could it, could it be that this is the day that the Messiah would come? And then now Philip comes to him and says, the Messiah is here. He's Jesus. He's Joseph's boy. And Nathaniel says, he can't be him. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. But then Jesus speaks to his life because Jesus knows him and knows not only where he was at, where he was at, but what was going on in his heart. And Jesus speaks the words of life to Nathaniel. And Nathaniel, in an instant, goes from death to life because Jesus says it's not a ladder, not a physical ladder that Jacob saw. But he actually saw me. Do you notice Jesus le left that ladder in ref referencing Genesis 28? If you read Genesis 28, Jacob sees a ladder with the angels ascending and descending. Jesus says, you're going to see something greater. And what is the greater thing? That the angels from heaven are going to be ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus was speaking about himself. You see, Jesus is the greater ladder. Not that we would climb to heaven, but that through Jesus, heaven would come to us. And so if you are far from God this morning, and you sense the inward call of the Spirit in your life, if you've been wrestling with some dark things, some difficult things in your life, and you realize there has to be a better way, 
Know that Jesus is the way. Jesus has come to forgive you of your sins. The sins that bring you darkness and is the reason why you're in darkness. You have been separated by the goodness and faithfulness of God because we, all of us, are sinful through our words, through our deeds, through our thoughts. We are far from God. And God says to us that the penalty of our sin is death, is darkness, more darkness. But because God the Father loved us so much, he sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to give us the truth of God, which we just spoke about, and to call us as he did those first days. He does that today. And he calls men, women, and children to follow him. And if you hear the words of the Holy Spirit reaching into the deepest recesses of your heart, know that is the Spirit of God calling you home, calling you into his kingdom. This is the grace that is given to us through Jesus. That says what we, what we cannot do for ourselves, the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. We cannot climb that ladder, ladder to get to heaven because we did not have the strength. We've tried, but we failed. But we hear the words and receive the words of grace and of a Savior that says, I have descended on that ladder to come to earth to bring heaven to you. That it's you this morning. Jesus calls you to repent of your sin and to place your trust, which is faith, in him. And he calls you even now to come follow me. That is you this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, we hear your words that tells us to come follow you. Lord, we sense your Holy Spirit bringing new life to our dead bones, bringing us from death to life, from darkness into your marvelous light. Lord Jesus, we repent of our sin. We turn away from our old ways of living. We trust you. We follow you. Lord, our prayer is that you would forgive us of our, all of our sin and all of our unrighteousness. And that you would shower us with your righteousness, with your goodness, and with your truth. Would you strengthen us that we would follow you all the days of our lives. For it is in your name we pray. Amen. Let us stand and worship our Messiah.